Bless you, saints. Good evening. Welcome into the house of the Lord. Amen. If there's ever been a time I've been that scripture that says you've been given a sound mind, I've been more thankful for that than ever. Just some of the things I've read in the past few days, I'm like, this world is absolutely going insane. And we sometimes take for granted because it's not even common sense anymore. It's good. It's rare sense. And I'm so grateful to have the power of the Holy Spirit giving us a sound mind. Aren't you glad for that? Have you been beneath that fountain that's washed you and filled you and forgiven you? Praise our God. It's so good to be believers this evening. So let's sing tonight and just rejoice as we prepare our hearts for the word. There's a fountain that is flowing. Oh, there's a fountain that is flowing. Oh, from a
Amen. Key of B flat. Oh, glorious mystery, that day he set me free. Who I am, and he made my heart his very throne. My life is no longer mine. I'm a prisoner of love divine. just ask that we would please remember Sister Luis and the grandchildren in prayer during their visit, that they would all stay healthy and the Lord would watch over them and keep them. And we know there are many requests in the body, so if there's a desire in your heart, then you just let it be known before the Lord. Brother Joe, would you come please? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you, Lord God, on this regular Wednesday, Lord. But, Lord Jesus, there's so many hearts here, so many needs, Lord, so many individual 
things, Lord, in lives, Lord, and people looking to you, Lord, for guidance, Lord, in their lives, Lord, for, for a deeper understanding, Lord, and a deeper connection to you, Lord Jesus. So pray, Lord God, that where whatever would be spoken to, Lord God, on this Wednesday, Lord God, that we would just pull on your word, Lord. Pray you anoint the preacher, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint his words, Lord God, to go out, Lord God, with power, Lord, and, and, and raise our faith, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for this need here, Lord, for Brother Wood, Lord Jesus, that you would just come on the scene, Lord, for him, Lord God. In every situation, Lord God, you've been so faithful to us, Lord God. And we know you, Lord Jesus, and we speak to you on a daily basis, Lord God. But once again, Lord Jesus, we just want to further our experience with you. We want to talk to you again, Lord God. We want to open our hearts, Lord, up to you, Lord God, and receive from your throne, Lord Jesus. Pray you anoint the preacher, Lord God. I pray you anoint our hearts, Lord Jesus. Anoint your musicians, Lord God. Anoint Brother Ryan, Lord God. He's going to come and lead us in a couple more songs, Lord Jesus. We want to further our, our life with you, Lord Jesus. Pray, Lord God, for the church, Lord Jesus, for, just for the summer, Lord God, for the kids, Lord God, and all the families going on vacation, Lord, and whatever will be happening, Lord God, that you would be the, be the focus, Lord, in our lives, Lord Father. We dedicate this service, Lord, to you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. keep you standing with me for a moment. I want to sing a chorus. We don't sing too much. I've got something the world can't give. Same key, B-flat. Oh, I've got something that the world can't give. Christian tonight. Praise our God. Amen. God bless you, saints. You can have your seats. We do have a couple of announcements we want to make, and I'm just going to ask if Sister Victoria would come at this time, and Brother Andrew, we're going to sing a song for you before Brother Michael comes to bring the word. And there was a reminder that the Sunday school needs to please be here by 10 a.m. on Sunday. There's no Sunday school classes, but they will be singing in the morning, so we want to be have enough time for their practice. Also, two services on Sunday. Let's remember the communion service Sunday evening. And also just a reminder for the going away gathering for Brother Andrew and Sister Bella. It'll be this Saturday, the 24th at 3 p.m. at the Peace Arch Park. I think that's everything. If you're visiting with us this evening, God bless you. All those joining by way of the internet, we just trust the Lord will be with you where you are. Are you ready?
storm clouds arise, I will fall to my knees. You're my victory. My Ashadai, my Elohim, Jehovah Nisi. When I can't say the words and the pain's hard to bear, keep me close to your words, saying I am right here. Lord, please hold me. Don't ever let me go. No. For there is purpose in the pain, and there is It's not beyond what I can bear. By faith alone, I'll make it there. Each step I take will teach me more on how to trust you. For there is purpose, purpose in the pain. Oh. When to come in like a flood, raise a standard, for you go before me, and you're fighting for me, yes, so I will lift up my eyes and I'll look to the skies far above me, I'll stay in your presence, Lord, my refuge and safety. Trials that you go through 
Purpose in the pain. Aren't we glad he has it in control? He knows what's best for us. He knows what we can handle. And we take it because he knows, maybe besides, just listen to Brother Branham, how he said what he went through just to get this message out. I go back into the life story and you see what he went through and the trials and the hurt and the heartache and the pain but molded a certain character that could deliver a message that would bring me and you to rapturing faith. So there was purpose in his pain. So whatever we go through, you can say, Lord, you know, because maybe my life needs to speak a word to somebody. And unless I'm molded such, it can't say those words just exactly how we like. So we say, Lord, let our life be a sacrifice for you, right? Amen. Well, it is indeed back to home cooking, huh? Had quite a run of some, uh, I was going to say foreign foods, but uh, <laughs> we had some uh, multicultural, spiritual eating over the last little while. And uh, so we're back. I won't, I won't say uh, better Vernon, he nailed the false humility, so no preacher can ever say, well, it's just, you know, simple me tonight, because that ain't working no more, is it? <laughs> so tonight you're getting me. <laughs> I hope you come hungry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we have young people's this Friday. 7 o'clock, please uh, remember that, uh, 7 o'clock, and everybody wonders, 7, 7.30, 7, whichever it is, 7, please. And we're just going to a bit of a different night on, on, uh, on Friday night, and we're just taking a bit of a, a topic. I don't usually say what we're going to discuss, but I'm going to tonight, we're going to be dealing with music on Friday. And uh, so it'll be a bit of a different um, format, per se, uh, maybe pretty pointed, but that's how I feel the Lord is leading. So that is on seven. If you don't come, I'll know you have a problem with music, and we'll have a one-on-one afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think there's a special day today. I think someone has a... I'm looking. There we are. I hear the birdies tell me it's 37 years, but Roy, Sister Judy, God bless you. Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> 37 years. God bless you. What a testimony in this age. Amen. That's, that's something that this world can't even think about, even comprehend anymore. I just want to sing maybe before we go to the Word. I keep listening to a different sound. We can stand as we sing this song. We hear about the wars. We see famine in the land. Questions in the children's eyes and trouble in the east again. Amen. But there's, some, there's a voice calling, beckoning. Amen. That. We hear about the wars, see famine in the land. Oh, there's questions in the children's eyes, trouble in the east again. Oh, the whole world is shaking. There's no sure place to stand.
path There will come a generation And that will be the last Oh, I can't believe I'm standing here Seeing the end of time preacher saying it'll come to pass there'll come a generation that'll be the last amen why don't we pray tonight before we turn to the word heavenly father just listening to your prophet this week lord how he said if it wasn't in his day how the young people should be looking for it and lord i just was thinking in my mind young people how we think in our teenagers and ones that are 15 16 maybe and those would be about 70 or 73 year old people this day lord surely that generation has indeed come that will see the last and the ushering in lord of a whole another part of your plan lord as we come to the right end of it lord we pray tonight lord we just really focus ourselves so fervently lord buckling up our our our, our buckle so to speak and bring our socks up lord so that we're not failing and faltering and getting our eyes distracted to the left or the right but lord we're looking we're listening lord with an ear tuned to the voice of the shepherd for your scripture says my sheep know my voice so the lord when you do call and the preacher does speak lord your sheep hear your voice and come right in line with the word of God for our day. So we commit this service tonight to you, that you'd speak to us. You, Lord, if you need to, pick up a little sheep in your arms. Lord, bring them close to your side if it needs be tonight. And Lord, lead us into shady green pastures. For we heard tonight in song, Lord, you know what we need. Lord, not necessarily what we want sometimes, but Lord, you know what we need. And so, Lord, great shepherd, would you speak your word in Jesus Christ's name. We commit the service to you now. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to our Bibles tonight to Romans 12. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Sister Victoria, but Andrew Ryan. You wrote that song, that's what I'm told. That's wonderful. Appreciate that. May the heavens open and the song continues to come. <laughs> Amen. Something about a believer's written song. Romans 12, verse 1. Welcome to summer. <laughs> Indeed, it's today, the longest day of the year, so that means we have a little extended time in service. <laughs> Romans 12, 1, very familiar scripture to us all. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. You may have your seats tonight. Lord bless the reading of the word. I had trouble titling it tonight and I told Brother Dan I have like a honking title. 
I just didn't, it was just so long, I didn't figure out how to shorten it. But I'm going to try and take a little topic on conform, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And uh, one thing that we live today is indeed in an age of conformity. An age we live in, there's a lot of pressure to conform, I would say. There's, there's a lot of social norms of our day that are, that are much different than maybe what it was long in times past. And to conform is to, is to be similar or identical to or to be in agreement, agreement or harmony or even compliant. Conformity is the tendency for an individual to align their attitudes or beliefs and behaviors with those of the people around them. Conformity can take the form of overt social pressure or subtler unconscious influence. But regardless of its form, it is a powerful force. Conformity, powerful force, able to change how large groups behave, to start or end conflicts, and much more. Conformity, and it, Scripture says, if we go back to it, and be not conformed. <laughs> All right, let's just keep that one in mind. Be not conformed, but be transformed. I'm going to speak today on the pressure to conform versus eternity's call to transform. Amen? So there's one on one side. you got the conforming side and the pressure there is in this age to do it. And there's eternity, which is calling you, which it says, be transformed. Amen? By the renewing of your mind. So we're going to just take that little thought tonight, if we can. Maybe a nugget can drop into your script bag for some time down the road. Human nature, we're programmed, actually, to conform. It's just, it's just how we're built. Uh, you know, we, we, we desire to be, you know, the same or, or conform to new ideas. You know, it's been happening that way since the dawn of time. In fact, up until the end of the 19th century, uh, deep in Japan, it was quite uh, a regarded aspect to have black teeth uh, as a sign of beauty. And so everybody did that. You know, I would imagine the ladies, they, they, whatever they did to, to make their teeth black, maybe they put ink in their mouth as a mouthwash every morning. Who knows? But that was, that was the norm. Anybody done that today? Anybody swish and swash with a little ink? Smile? No, it's all white ivories. Because that's not normal today. You're not conforming to that, but that was what it was back even prior to the 19th century. Women actually used to bind their feet in the old Chinese dynasties. That was normal. You would do that. Caused great harm to their feet in the Middle Ages. In fact, it was also uh, the norm to, to, uh, you know, to have very, their foreheads were the center of the face. And so they thought it would be important that that was you know, very beautiful and empty. And so they'd pluck all their eyebrows and eyelashes and even up to their eye line. So they'd have this very full and uh, clean, uh, bald forehead. That was acceptable. It was the norm. And people conformed to it. Well, they're doing it, so I need to do it. And then this person does it, so that person needs to do it. Now we have a whole lot of people with no eyebrows, eyelashes, and half their head gone. Because it was a thing of beauty. You think that's funny? Just look at the trends today. Oh, come on. I think, they're, I think that's pretty tame, actually. But people are conforming. And if time did go on, which it's not going to, because we know the history books don't need to be wrote, but if it did, they would laugh this age to scorn, and they'd look and be like, are you kidding me? They conformed to that? Yes, you'd be the laughing stock, or I should say this world would be the laughing stock, because they're conforming to a social norm that's accepted as what we should do right now. Right? Indeed, in fact, the Lucifer effect study. Just, just take the name of this. A study they did called the Lucifer Effect. 
That should just kind of tie in where this one's going. But the Lucifer effect was a study they did that, it, that was studying the effects of punishment on learning. Teachers don't get any ideas. The student was in another room and had electrodes attached to them. And it was connected to them and the teacher as in this person's taking it was the participant, was to give the student an electric shock with each wrong answer, increasing the intensity each time they got it wrong. Okay, and so in reality, the test was to see how far people would go hurting a person under the command of an authority figure. So a teacher here is the participant, student is in another spot with electrodes, and there's an authority figure here, and they're telling them, and under the command of the authority, 65% of the volunteer teachers went to the full voltage. Despite the desperate pleas for them to stop the experiment from the student. Why? Because they were conforming to the authority figure that was like, it's okay, don't worry about it, it it's all right. And human nature, 65% of them went along with it and just kept ramping it up. Oh, well, he says it's okay, so I guess I could do it. Even when the teacher experienced doubts or became nervous about the experiment, the authority figure reassured them that everything was fine, and the teacher continued. And they tied this into even how the this Nazis in Germany, and they were studying this, how they would have gone and did such atrocities, and, and how they would agree to certain orders, but because the authority figure was said that it was okay and everything would be all right, they conformed to the norm of obeying the figure and a good soldier, you know, and a good German to do what a good soldier would do at the time and be a good German at the time. So this was a study, they called it the Lucifer effect, conforming, conforming. And that's exactly what Satan is desiring this day is to conform to this world and its, 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 its norms, I should say. Another study they did, which was performing moral dilemma, just to see how nature, human nature is to conform. They gave a, a study group a, a, a dilemma. A, a bank robber robbed a bank, stole the money, and then gave it to an orphanage. And they said, now, would you call the police on the robber, or would you just let it go because he gave it to the orphanage? <laughs> wow. Half of them were told that the majority helped the robber, and half of the participants were told that the majority uh, of, of people uh, helped the police. And so they were told that, that uh, other people that, have, that uh, were giving an input on this, had, had the majority was going this way, and then the other half of the group told the majority of, of respondents went this way. And because of what the majority did, each group went the way of the majority. So if I was told, well, everybody you know, helped the police and called on the robber, well, you know, I guess I helped the police. And then the other half was told that, no, they just let it go, and the orphanage was got the money. And, well, you know, if they did that, well, you know, that's what I, well, I'll just do that too. Norms, conforming, pressure. And humanity has this desire, whether it's to belong, maybe because everyone's doing it, so it must be right. Maybe we don't want to get socially, negatively social impact, or maybe we just want to belong to a group. Self-categorize is what they call it. And so the world has gone through the ebb and flow of culture and certain norms within culture. But nature proclaims there's got to be something that is an absolute. There's got to be something that, regardless of the flow of time and what has gone on, what was right then, which is wrong now, something's got to say, no, this is the right way. 
There has to be an absolute, amen? Nature proclaims an absolute. Just look at the stars. As Brother Brown speaks about the North Star, and a compass that will always point to it. There's got to be something that's true. Has to be. Brother Brown says anything contrary to the word, look, Look, he said, let me tell you something. Listen to this closely. This is the complete divine revelation of God, his will, and the coming of Christ. Everything lays right in this book, completed. And if anything draws you off that, throw the compass away. If it isn't pointing you back to the word, throw it away. I don't care who it is. If it doesn't point you there, scrap it. Who would want a compass that is leading you south when you need to go north? That would be insane. You know, oh, well, it's wrong, but oh, who cares? Uh, you know, everybody's using the wrong compass, so maybe I should. Wouldn't that be ludicrous? You'd be lost and you'd be done. It would be. He said, find a compass that sets you to the word. Show me a religion. Show me a Buddhist. Show me a Hindu. Show me the Sikh. Show me the Muslims and Muhammad. Show me one that can prove their God is alive today. Just show me one. Bring something that can prove that their God, what they claim to be their God, is alive today. They can't do it. Have we not seen over and over and over again in this day proof that the word of God and what God claimed to happen has happened over and over again? Have we not seen it? Do we not have a message that can say, yes, I can hang my hat on this word? Show me a Bible. Show me another, another scripture that through all the types and shadows of time that you go through here that can point to Christ. And over the thousands and 4,000 years of time, you could go through and say, oh, Joseph, just type Christ so perfectly. Look at Moses. It typed Christ perfectly. Look at the, all the different uh, aspects of the temple and how they worshiped and the offerings and all of the aspects that type Christ perfectly. Who could put that together? Show me Buddhist Bible that can do that. Show me a God that can take a wretch, a sinner, and change him to something totally new. (laughs) Not conforming. No, no, no. Don't show me a conformist. Don't show me someone, well, I can be a good person and I can, you know, do the right thing. No, I don't want that. I want a transformation. But Abraham says, if I die in my tracks, my absolute is Jesus Christ upon That is what I believe if everybody walks out. Someone said, Dr. Davis said to me, Billy, you preach such a thing as that, you'll preach to the post of the church. (laughs) He said, I'll be preaching God's word to the post then. God is able these posts to rise children unto Abraham. If everybody walked out of here, you better believe this gospel, that it's the truth and you'd stand alone. That's what you need to, how you need to stand. You say, Margaret, if everyone walked out of here, you'd still be sitting here. Brother Tim, Brother John Charmy, you've been sitting here for so many years. Why? Because it's an absolute to you. Come this, come that, come trial, come whatever. You're still here because it's the, it's the truth to you. And everybody could leave Brother John and you would still be sitting there. He says, you don't, said, you think they'll believe you? He said, he said I, it don't, that's not my business. It's, not my, it's my business to stay true to the word. That's right. You think you could meet an educated world like this with a theology of divine healing? I said, it's not my divine healing. It's his promise. And he's the one that gave the commission. Oh, that was a prophet that said, I know where I stand. Leave the building. I'll preach to the posts. I'll preach to the pews. But it's the truth. 
Each one has their own absolute. He said, it's just like the days of judges. Every man done what was right in his own sight. He didn't really care what, hey, what is right for me is right for, doesn't matter, doesn't need to be right for you. He said, every man done right in his own sight. Now you know the reason they did that in the judges. He said, this might shock you a little bit. He said, now, he says, the reason they did it because they had no prophet in them days. That is not the case today. So you have no excuse to just do as you think you should. Well, I don't really feel I'm going to do it my way because, you know, in the judges' day. No, no, there was a prophet in this land that came and gave a message so you don't even have that excuse. Ain't doing it right in your own sight. He said, well, whether you like it or not, it lines perfectly with this. He said, well, no one really liked Elijah. Nope. Didn't like Micah, Micaiah. Didn't like Jeremiah. Didn't like Isaiah, didn't like Amos. It's always been a minority word. Always been a minority word. So Lord, we sure don't want to join the ranks of the pharisaical doubters, the Ahabs. But there was a group in Elijah's day, a little group of 7,000 or so, that did not conform to that day. They didn't conform. And there's a world with, with, with a word came to awaken us from the falling away. And I really want to look at some of the social norms today. Because if you believe, you believe this is true? Yeah. Is this your absolute? Yeah. All right. Let's just say it again. This is your absolute. Yeah. We're, in a, we're in a church of believers tonight that believe that this Bible, this gospel, vindicated by a message, is the truth. This is your North Star. Yeah. All right. So then it isn't news to you that biblical truths that were once actually normal in society are far from normal today. Being labeled even old-fashioned, and I would say even wrong in some places. Clothing today. Scripture says, Deuteronomy 22, that 5, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a garment, woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord my God. Well, that's pretty straightforward. So therefore, men and women should not be wearing each other's garments. Scripture says it's actually abomination, but our Tom spoke a little while ago on the abomination. It's very straight and, and specific in Scripture that, if, that that is contrary to the Word of God. For a woman to wear what a man wears and vice versa. Are we there? But that is not accepted today. That's not the social norm, saints. I'm sorry. But then someone, but, but are we just kind of accepting of that? No, no, sir. No, sir. Language, Colossians 3, 8. But now ye also put off these, uh, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You say, well, sure, Brother Mike. Of course, we don't, we, don't, we don't do all that. We don't swear and all that. But you know what? I was thinking today, I said, even to the extent where people actually casually say, and you see them type out, and I'll tell, I'm going to just be very, very flat out. They put OMG in their little text, or they say, oh my God. I'm sorry, but that is just a vain way to say the name of God in vain. He is God. He is Lord. He is my Christ. He is my Messiah. He is Prince of Peace. It's not just a flippant way to say, oh my. No, sir. It's, I don't take the Lord's name in vain, but that's pretty it. It's a social norm. Everybody says it. No vain, no filthy communication out of your mouth. And we don't take the Lord's name in vain. And that is Scripture. 
And you just get caught in that. You don't even really realize it. You say, oh, I don't even know. No. That's just the conformity of the social norms that we live in. Child correction, Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: Foolishness bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Oh, Brother Michael, I told you this is just Wednesday night. Buckle up. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chastiseth him betimes. Oh, I know. I know. I know it's not easy to correct your children. I've been there. But you just let little Johnny run around or little Susie run around and do what they, do what they want. You just wait down the road. Brother Brown says, face up the responsibility. Sometimes it takes the very hide off of us to do that as a father, to face up the responsibility to give your child, Brother Brown says, a whipping to them little fellows. You don't want to do, you don't want to do that. But as a father or a mother, you got to face the responsibility of raising a child. Amen. Bible says, spare the rod, spoiled child. I read the scripture for you. And he said, and it still stands good in the sight of every psychologist in this world that still remains God's truth. If there'd be more of that practice, we wouldn't have so much juvenile delinquency. Parents, they ain't letting your little kids run around and do whatever. I've heard little kids say certain things. I'd say, oh my goodness, I would have been flat on the ground if I said that to my mom and dad. What's going on? It's called social norms. And you're conforming to this world's day and age of what the idea is of parenting. Be not conformed to this world. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, doth it not even nature itself teach you that if a man hath long hair, it's a shame. (laughs) Men, it's a shame. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Brother Bram says, cutting a hair, what's that got to do? Brother, let's stop here just a minute. He said, I feel someone resented that. Surely hope not in here. Might have been out there on the wire somewhere. So what he said, listen, a hair to a woman is a Nazarite vow. Hair to Samson was a Nazarite vow. And when a woman cuts off her hair, she absolutely denies her Nazarite vow that she's a bride to Christ. Does that get heavy? That's heavy. It's her glory. Amen. He says, because there one thing, she spoils the whole picture correctly. And Nazarite is one consecrated for a purpose. You say, well, this is super basic, Brother Michael. Yes, but I walk into church here sometimes, and you just see different ones come and different ones go, and I say, oh, God, surely we're not just allowing the conformity of the world, but that the gospel would be preached, and the atmosphere of your presence would come and place conviction, whether it's earrings or hair or makeup or hairdos or fashion, whatever it is, clean it out of us. Because I have no desire to conform to the norms of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. I can tell you headship is not exactly a social norm these days of a husband taking headship in a home, taking responsibility for leadership, and just kind of sitting back or letting the wife take over. That is a social norm of the day, and it's conforming. This one's not for here, but I was just running the list. Relationships before or outside of marriage. Oh, we know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, and there's enough in there about fornication. But just to give you an idea of where social norms have gone, a poll studying Americans found that that seven out of ten Americans deem a relationship between unmarried men and women morally acceptable. Seventy percent. 
You ready for the next line? All right. Conformity. What makes that statistics actually more striking is that over 70% of Americans identify as some sort of Christian. Okay. So 7 in 10 say it's okay, but 70% say they're some sort of Christian. Huh. (laughs) Did they not even get past Exodus? So what are you Christ-like? Which, which scripture are you Christ-like? Or have you tore out the whole Bible except for a few pages and then place yourself in Revelations where they're going to get your name blotted out because you've removed conformity. Gender and marriage, God's created man in his own image. The image of God created he, him, male and female, created he, them. Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his mother, talking about gender and talking about marriage, father to his mother and shall leave and cleave to his wife. Here's 1965 for you, religious perversion, human perversion, men don't even know what sex they belong to and neither does the woman. 1965, it curled the hair in that auditorium when he said that, but right here today you're like, well yeah, that's just kind of normal. It's not normal! If you believe this word, you'd say that's a social norm from the pit of hell. These are just a few areas of life just trying to give you an idea that the norms of today, of society that you live in, you better gird up your loins when you go to work, when you go and talk to that worker person. I know it's difficult because you don't want to step on toes, but be guarded. I wonder when you hear the scripture and the prophets scream out against the perversion, do you tense up inside? <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty tight. Or do you say, amen? <laughs> because it's pressure. You're under pressure. Oh, you are. I know you are. You're under a pressure to conform. You know, there's the, tra- the tragedy that's happening right now, or the, the search and rescue, I should say, of the expedition that is lost at sea. Uh, the uh, Titan underwater submersible is lost, and there's some people on it that have not been found as of yet that I know of, and I think they're running at about uh, 18 hours left of oxygen. And they lost contact with them at about 12,500 feet, which is about two and a half miles or so, I don't know, four plus kilometers, whatever it is. I can only imagine the pressure under there of two and a half miles of water. And I even tried to figure it out uh, or just trying to find what that would be. And some say one would be equal to about 35 elephants on top of you of pressure. So roughly, when you add that all up, it comes up to close to about 500,000 pounds or 500 tons of pressure is what that is. And Satan over the ages, that's just right now give you a current deal of what they're dealing with. That's how much, that's, that's what, what they're underneath as far as that ocean is concerned. I was just thinking about that pressure that they would be under, but that pales in comparison to the pressure actually that you're under right now to conform. And as Satan has slowly ramped that pressure to conform to his ideas, to conform to his ideals of what he liked. And it's in your face everywhere. And it's almost like elephant after elephant is just slowly being dropped on you one at a time over the ages and here we are what it would say like I said pale in comparison to if you're shouldering 35 or 500,000 pounds of weight of pressure just just 
tolerate it. Just conform to it. It's okay. What's it to you anyway? The pressure. Two and a half miles worth of worldly influences. Devices of your world desiring to just break you. I wonder on even another level of conformity. In a message church, in a believer in the believer's ranks, is the pressure to just conform to just a believer's life. I thought about it. Everyone acts a certain way. You grow up in a certain home and around young people and around the believers. And just because of human nature, you just conform to a way of living. You know, everybody's good, we don't do this, we don't do that, it's do's and don'ts, but you're conforming to it, not under a transformation, but on a confirmation. You come to church, it's not really anything you know, else, but just because your friends are there, you clap and you sing, because everyone else does, it's the thing to do, you know, and, and you, know, you know, we don't drink, we don't party, you know, we're told it's wrong to do that, but really no reason why. You don't really have any reason why, that's conforming. And I thought, Lord... Surely there's, if there's even anybody in here that is living because of the pressure, the pressure, not negative peer pressure, not, hey, take a cigarette, hey, drink this booze. No, no, no. Just actually to conform to living a good life. And you just go about life until those elephants start dropping on your back and you start getting weighted down with life's pressure and life's trials and you find that you're just, your life has been a conforming and what happens when enough pressure lands on something, boom! It collapses or bursts. And I've seen it in my own life in different ones that have just taken and conformed to message living. And at a certain time span, they can only take so much, and they break. And they find out that their life was just a confirmation, conforming, I should say, to do's and don'ts. And they mentally have a breakdown. They leave the message. They leave the, what they believed. They even just leave God completely. Because it was a conforming. Be not conformed. That, to me, is actually the most dangerous conforming. But the scripture continues to say, past that point of conforming, but be ye transformed. Paul was giving us the other side of it. A warning and then a pointing. Don't do this, but go this direction. Amen? A greater power than conforming is transforming. Amen? There's a greater power in, that, in, in what God can do. It's beyond just an alignment or an adjusting or, or they're doing it so I'm going to do it. But it requires something. It requires a renewing of your mind. Amen? That's what it, it requires, a burning out of your own thoughts, of, of caring what the next person is doing, caring what the world is doing. Say, I don't really care about the social norms. Renew my mind. Oh, God, that it aligns with that because I want a transforming power. 
I don't want a filtered process. I don't want man's filtration, but Abraham speaks uh, thinking man's filter for a holy man's taste. And I was pondering even that, just that title and how you can filter your thoughts or filter even what you're doing through, through society's norms. I don't want to filter. Don't filter through someone else's thoughts, through some podcast, Joe Rogan's thoughts or Jordan Peterson's thoughts. I don't care about their thoughts. I care about God's thoughts. Listen to too many things and you just bring it in and bring it in. You don't realize that your thoughts are now, you're just repeating theirs. And whose thoughts are they? I can tell you they're not the scripture. It might have a moral connection somewhere, like they might align with some morality aspect of it, but I can tell you they're not transformed. But Abraham says, you get it from a historical standpoint, he may be able to explain all these things. Speaking about a a life that's just living by maybe some history. He said, if you haven't got an absolute, haven't got an experience, and if that experience that you claim you have makes you deny every word of this, it isn't that it, this isn't as, as true to the church today as it ever was. You're trusting upon your Bachelor of Art or whatever you might have. You're trusting upon your thoughts of your organization. The days of miracles has passed, or we don't have divine healing, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit like they received on the day of Pentecost. He said, if that's all you got, my precious brother, sister, you need a Damascus Road experience. If you're just conforming or thinking about and then filtering it through your own experience and and just a do's and don'ts conformity, you need a Damascus experience. Paul walking on the way to Damascus on his little horse and I was thinking about it. Here was a blasphemer. Here was an attacker, a despiser, a, a hater of the gospel, an antagonist to the Christians. This was the worst of the worst. Throwing him in jail. I thought, my goodness, Lord, if you can get a hold of that kind of person. Is there despisers in our ranks? Oh, yes. Are there those that are so antagonistic to our ranks? Oh, yes. Are those that are in spiritually desiring to kill your experience? Oh, yes. But guess what? God go to hold of Paul. <laughs> so guess what? Nobody's off the table. Maybe God could strike someone. Maybe a Damascus Road experience as they're trotting their little horse or driving their little car somewhere on a mission. To destroy on a mission to get on some web page and throw out some post. But guess what? My God is able to give a purifier moment and transform them. Yes, sir. That's my God. Transformed him to a prophet of God. Well, he always was. He just realized and recognized what his position was. He says, "You need to meet a living God when you, when you, where you not only just a mythical thought in your mind, not some shiver, some sensation, oh, taught an experience of a real, genuine, the same Jesus that walked in Galilee, is living today and alive evermore. He's the same yesterday, today. That you don't have to take what anyone said, you know, for yourself, and experience." Amen. You know for yourself, that's when you're transformed, you know it. You know it. I will have just a little account about you know it. I'm going to read it here. But Abraham talks to a young woman. He's in a building with a whole bunch in a, a psychopathic ward. And he's talking to a young woman there. There's a whole bunch of cases in here. He said it's in Flint, Michigan. And he was in an emergency room area and she was from a psychopathic he said, and they had maybe 30 cases of insanity in the room. 
He said you couldn't bring them out in public because they were in straight jackets and all kinds of conditions. I tell you, you want to know where you stand. What a man of God walking into that room to pray for all these cases. These, these people aren't even on the streets. He said, I went into the room and one man went with me. He went there and said, there's a beautiful young woman to the side, maybe 20, 25 years old. And she said, how do you do? But Abraham says, you know, he continues on. He says, she said, I wonder, could you listen to my story for a moment? Brother Bram says, certainly, madam. She started telling me that she was reared in a good home. She said, my mother taught me not to do wrong and shun evil and embrace the right thing. She said, I lived that kind of life for a number of years. And I put in brackets, conforming. And I got mixed up with a young man. And she said, it caused a disgrace to me. And I started and throwed myself away and I became an alcoholic. And then they picked me up and sent me to a Catholic institution called the Good Shepherd's Home. And there I was under correction for a number of years. And they, then they released me. And as soon as I got out from that, I started drinking again. And I put in brackets again, she was just conforming. And I served another year or two in a woman's state prison that changed. And then I changed from Protestant to Catholic. Then doing this time, I changed back to Protestant from the chaplain talking to me. And I came out and tried again. I put in brackets, conforming. She said, but I went back into it again, into prostitution and drinking. But Abraham says, your mother? She said, she's dead. Your father? He's dead. I said, well, what do you think about you now? She said, oh, if I could only go back again. I said, a lovely young woman like you, don't you desire to be married and have babies like all mothers do and so forth? She said, I'd love to, sir. But look at me, what I have to offer anybody. He says, you have one thing you could offer. She said, what's that? He said, your soul to Jesus Christ. He said, sir, he wouldn't receive it. He said, oh, yes, he will. She said, how do you know that? I tried. But Abraham says, you're just turning pages. And in brackets, I put conforming. But you really come to him. She said, what could he do with me? He said, make a lady out of you. She says, no, not me. I'm too far gone. He said, he can take you back to the time when you was a virgin, innocent girl. He said, the blood of Jesus is sufficient and powerful to transform. The blood of Jesus is sufficient and powerful. Satan can try to conform, and you can even try to conform. But the blood of Jesus is far beyond conformity. It's transformation. The vilest sinner to a blood-washed saint, guiltless before God. You say, well, my life is not quite there. So I'm saying, if it can transform that, it can transform you. She said, I've tried so many times to conform. Not her words, my words now on that. To conform is what she's tried. He said, I said, I want to tell you. I believe your case has never been diagnosed right. Listen to this. You don't want to be like that. If this applies to anybody here on the waves, on the internet, you listen to this. He says, you don't want to be like that. She said, certainly not. He said, just what you mentioned a while ago is what I want to be. A mother, a wife. And he goes, I'd never, he said, you don't have to. He says, talking, she doesn't have to be what she's like or was. He says, this may sound old fashioned, sister, but it's the truth nevertheless. It's the devil that's done that to you. 
People want to blame all this and all that, but Brother Brown said it might sound old-fashioned, but it's just the devil, and that's what he's done to you. And he said, it's the devil that's got a hold of you, driving you things that you don't want to do. She looked at me with those big, dark eyes. He said, she said, I've always believed that. He said, would you kneel here with me? She said, now they tell me I'm a mental case. He said, you are. He said, you are. And all of us were, or maybe some are here, because you aren't transformed. He said, but Jesus Christ restores a right mind by the renewing of your mind. There's nothing too great for him. And she said, do you think he would for me? I said, certainly, but we've got to get that devil out of here. So, amen. So he said, because when he entered in you as a young girl, he's got to go out or he'll just come right back again. So we got to get him out. And then we need a transformation process so that something fills you so he can't come back here. My, so she got down on her knees. And she said she prayed a few moments. Oh, my Lord, just change me. And she, she uttered a handful of words, I'm sure, there. She looked over at me. She said, Brother Branham, I'm going to make a new start. Conforming. I said, sis, it won't do you one bit of good. You're, doing just, you're going just exactly the same road you've been on. It won't work. She said, I mean it in my heart. I said, I know you do. But that devil's more stronger than any mental powers. Mental conforming. Amen. This is the level here. It needs to drop a little further than here. Amen. He says that he says it's stronger than mental powers that you could put to him. That's the reason I don't believe in an intellectual religion. I believe a man's got to be born again. It's got to be deeper than you're thinking. It's got to be an experience. An experience that you know that you know something happened. And she said, what must I do? He said, well, just stay right there. And we prayed and prayed. All right, I went ahead and I prayed with some more people. So Brother Brown now goes around and goes to different ones in that room and he prayed for and he came back again after a while and she was getting deep in sincerity. He said in a few moments she raised up tears running down her cheeks. She looked at me in the face. She said, Brother Branham, something happened to me. It was transformation. Not conforming no more. Something happened to me. You couldn't tell her nothing happened. Say, no, 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 something didn't happen. That was just that was just your feelings. No, no, no. Something happened. She said, I said, you don't have to turn no new pages. If you've been a page turner here tonight, I'm telling you by the word of God, there's no more pages to turn. Stop turning pages. Get in sincerity under God's word. Say, Lord, I need a transformation tonight. He said, that woman's married now, got a family, a lovely, sweet, born-again, filled saint, because God could take her back to a place where she started to do wrong. That's his goodness, and from that time, she was changed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. What's the, I said, well, not that I'd say what's the point of transformation, but why? Well, I was thinking about that. I said, you know, and Brother Branham even says it. I, he has a quote. And it's so that a life can be lived out of you. God's desiring his life to be lived out of you. To prove that his word is true. 
The Bible says when a grain grows to, begins to grow, it gets bigger. The denomination pulls away. We haven't got a denomination out of this and never will be. It's the grain. He says, what does it have to do now? It lays in the presence of the sun to be ripened. The word to be ripened into your heart and bring forth and live what we're talking about. That's why there's a transformation. Because God wants you to live what you're talking about. Because under conforming, at some point, you won't live it. It will break, you'll crush, you'll, you'll snap under pressure. But when there's a transforming power that is entered into your life, you can't live what you're talking about. That little girl could walk out of that hospital and say, well, is it just going to be a new page? You're just heading back to the institution again. Some Catholic priest's going to tell you what to do. You're going to go back to Protestant, back to Catholic, back to Protestant. No, no, she says. That ain't happening no more. Because before that time, I was just conforming. Before that time, I was just doing do's and don'ts. But God met me in a little hospital room when a prophet came and said, get down and pray a little more, little sister, because you got to get a hold of the horns of the altar. And then she can reach up and say, oh my, I've been transformed. Well, I believe the message. The message. Well, what are you doing with the message? You can preach it all you want. You can tell me all about it all you want. You can send WhatsApp status reports all you want. I don't really care what you do. But live it! Scrap all the rest of it and live it! How? As we heard in the last little while, just that ordinary walk. Day in and day out. As Abraham walked, it isn't anything special. But in this day and age, when the pressure is so heavy, you can still walk a victorious life. Why? Because it's transformed inside, not conformed on the outside. Amen. Your walk maintains your passion. Your opinions come this way and that way. But there's been a change in you. And when there's a pressure on the outside that is like 35 elephants just coming down on you, 500,000 tons of influence and social norms trying to conform you into the the world's ideals, but inside of you is a normalizing pressure because you've been transformed. And so as you walk, it just keeps pushing out. And the devil keeps pushing down. He's like, how come this one isn't crushed? Because inside, it's pressing out. And there's a normalization. There's no way you're not going to implode because you've been transformed. You've been pressurized. You are the standard that God's raising. Increase in evil. It sways. Causes a, there's a force within that withstands the force without. Amen. And transforming work is unalterable. You know, if I put a mask on and I was subjected to, to some intense heat and I tried to, to conform to something and change my look and I, I got into about, you know, into the Sahara Desert or Death Valley, at some point it'd just start to just drip all over me because it would melt under heat. 
depending on what kind of substance I had. But that's just conforming. It, it doesn't stay. It, it's alterable. I could push and pull and, 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 and change it. I could, I could put a costume or disguise on. And if someone had some, has, had some tension on it, they could tear that off. And, and I would be left with my shirt on. And that's all there was because it was just conforming. It, it, it's alterable. But a transformation is unalterable because it happens from the inside. Amen? If you look into the scripture... The scripture says, for as such false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles for Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Well, that word transformed happens to be metaschematizo. You got that? Metaschematizo. That is a in the Greek, it says it's, it's one if they had a garden, a Japanese garden, and they changed it to a different type of garden, maybe something a little different, but it was still a garden. That's just changing it. But the essence isn't changed. It's still a garden. I've just made it look a little different. But there's a different word when we read into Romans 12. That is a metamorphial, okay? That's a different word because that is something that is changing the essence, not just the surface. Like an angel of light, the devil can come in an angel of light and disguise himself as someone that, oh, just some pretty little girl that steps by your way or some handsome young man that gives you attention. He's disguising himself and trying to social norm you into something different. But in his essence, he's a destroyer. Satan don't have the ability to change the essence but there's one that can. There's one who has the power to go beyond conformity. Amen. He can go. And I was looking, if you look at metamorpho, which is then what metamorphosis comes from. And you look at that little caterpillar that is inching his way along and he eats his little food. And, and you just look up, you know, it actually eats and eats and eats and eats till it gets a certain size. And I was thinking, well, a caterpillar, he just, he just feeds on the word till he gets to a certain place, comes to a point where he just can't take no more. And something happens with that little caterpillar. He hangs himself on a little leaf or a branch and he surrounds himself with what he's eaten and he starts a process of metamorphosis and he starts to change over some time and he just is allowing what he had consumed <laughs> what he had consumed to start to take a change in him and little do you know after day one and day two and day three and day four but in the eighth after the eighth day and onwards into eternity somehow something changed and he starts to break free from what had been wrapping him you know what comes out? I was looking at this certain one, but a nice monarch butterfly. If you took the monarch butterfly and you put the caterpillar there, tell me, is that butterfly going backwards? Can it go backwards? Can, can it, is any part of the monarch butterfly even representable in the caterpillar? Pretty much no. It's totally different. It's totally transformed. Amen. And when you receive the Holy Ghost and he transforms you by the renewing of your mind, you can't be any the same as the white, what you once were. It's impossible. As impossible as that little butterfly to crawl back into his little cocoon of such and reverse the process and come back to a caterpillar, it's impossible. 
And once you have been altered, transformed by the mighty work of God, it's unalterable. Don't you question your walk. Don't you wonder if you're saved. You've been transformed. You know God changed you. It's over. Don't let no Satan tell you. You're some caterpillar still. You say, I'm sorry. Flex them wings. You know what that caterpillar, he infuses himself with food before he gets into his cocoon state. And then inside, my goodness, don't tell me God's not in nature. All the fluids inside of him are retained. They, get, they transform into another state, but they turn into a fluid in his abdomen. And when he breaks free of that little shell and his wings there, they're kind of wet and shriveled. And he starts to pump the fluid from his abdomen into the wings. It's the word of God. You start to just drink that in. Start pumping it into your wings. You start drinking in the word. You start drinking it in man. It's already in you. Just start flexing it, actually. <laughs> Amen. Brother Bram says, how could you, a drunkard a few weeks ago or a few months ago, and a gentleman this afternoon... How could you be a street harlot a few weeks ago and a lady this afternoon by the transforming power of God being transmitted by the Holy Ghost into your heart, change your nature, change your making. It made you another person. Hallelujah. I've been transformed. Oh my, I can think of when the master stepped on the shores of Gadaria, and there was one that really needed a transformation filled with every demon of such a legion of demons but then the eternal one called to the eternity in legion because legion was predestinated and so eternity stepped on shore because eternity was calling for him a predestinated seed and he said somebody needs to be transformed there's a man here that needs to go through metamorphosis. And he walked up to, up to Legion. The demon's crying out. Legion falls on his face in a word. The demons are worshiping the Son of God. And what happens at a word? At a word, don't just get try to complicate it. If Legion can be delivered at a couple words, what about somebody here today? You're not tearing your clothes off. Scratching yourself, stabbing yourself, sleeping in the tombs. Maybe you are spiritually. And if you are, there's still one that can transform you. Still one today. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. God transformed the chaos and legion, bringing it back to a perfect Eden body for him. Oh, but our Bam says, wandering stars. How long will you wander? Methodists and Baptists and so forth. He said he wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind, not to a church or to some denomination, but to his word, which you are part, if that desire is in you. If you go back to his service, that one, I think it better maybe Aaron McGear or somebody preached the least desire at winter camp one year. If the desire is even in you, even the least of it, you're part of him. 
Respond. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, Scripture says. He sent his transforming power to bring you out of deformity of religion. I can tell you you could sit in a message and have just a conformed life. It's deformed life. Until you've been transformed. Just a do's and don'ts religion is a deformed religion, I'll tell you that. God said his transforming power vindicated, proven to bring you out of this religious deformity of ignorance. Only God's seed has the ability to answer the call. That's why Legion could respond. Because inside of him was the ability. Eternity inside of him was being beckoned. And he was, I don't care how many thousand demons were on him. They could have been holding every rain they could. They could have been digging in their heels. They could have had the trenches dug. They could have the reins on hold. All thousand of them wrapped a rope in a cord around Legion and said, all right, hold on tight, boys. He ain't going. He ain't going to the feet of the master. Hold on. And they're bearing down. But then Jesus stepped off the boat. <laughs> it didn't even take a call. Oh, Legion, Legion, where are you? Uh-uh. Something inside of him, the eternal, was calling him. And he ran to the Christ. I tell you, every one of them demons didn't even know what happened. But the same one that broke the bonds with Samson, that bust free, was the same one that broke the bonds of Legion. Bust free tonight. I was sitting wondering, that's a song, what am I supposed to do? That's not what I was wondering. I was pondering. Last service, I had a quote because I was pondering the eternal inside. Lord, I'm an eternal one. I was in your thoughts. You called me. I responded, and I was sitting in my backyard, and I was wondering about this. And I thought, well, i got to pull out my handkerchief. Mercy. I was wondering, well, everybody around me, you know, not everybody around me is eternal. But God knew that they'd be all there. So I said, Lord, I'm eternal. But not everybody in this world is eternal. But yet you knew of them. So, you know, they're your thoughts, but yet they're not eternal. I was just thinking about this. And I thought, well, there's a word. It's a word-based question. It's a, there's a word-based answer. So I was just pondering, not to question, but I thought that. I thought, there's a word answer. And so I was sitting there. I typed it into my iPad. I said, all right. And I hit the first quote. And the first, first line says, love, chosen us in love. Brother Brandon, before the foundation of the world. He said, now watch, having predestinated us. I said, amen, predestinated. He said, now there's the word predestinated. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will. Amen. I said, amen. And then I read the next line. And he said, what about that, Brother Mike? Oh, that got real close. Boom. 
I'd never even heard Brother Brandon say Brother Mike in my life, actually, to be all perfectly honest, and to actually tell me, what about that, Brother Mike? I said, okay, God, I'm listening right now. You got my attention. Your word is still real right here. Hallelujah. You have a question. God knows your address. What about that, Brother Andrew? What about that, Brother Levi? He knows your name. Hallelujah. He knows your name, Brother Kim. I know you love that song. Why? Because he's a personal God. He said, isn't that wonderful? He loved you. I'm continuing the quote because this is what he just told me. What about it? I said, well, what about it? Here we go. Isn't that wonderful? He loved you. He loved you before there was a world. Oh, this was like drinking it in to me. I was reading this so personal to just me. It was like me and God. He said, oh, he loved you before there was a world. This is my, this is Eliezer telling me about my Isaac. That's what this message is. It's a love letter to you. It's God speaking. What about it, Sister Margaret? Hallelujah. He said he knows your nature. He knows your weaknesses. He said, well, I'm just too weak. No, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your habits, good or bad. He knows all about you. He was what you was going to be. He knows everything. Weaknesses, strengths, habits, ups, downs. He knows you. And then, when he looked all over the great universe, there he was, filling all time and space and looking all over the great universe. He's looking, Greg. He's looking, Sister Yola. He looked over all of it. You know what he said next? He said, he said, I choose you. Amen, Sister Debbie. He looked over it all. He looked over everything. And he said, oh, I don't know. There's billions of humanity. But wait a second, Sister Roxanne. I choose you. Hallelujah. And when he did that, before there ever was a speck of life, then you're eternal with God. Hallelujah. Bye. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become eternal because you're with God. You're part of God. Can you see what I mean? You're as eternal as God is because you're part of him. Hallelujah. That's why this message came. To tell you and I exactly who we are so it can be that personal. What about it, Brother Mike? He chose you. <laughs> Amen. It's over. <laughs> okay, it's 8.55. Here we come down. <laughs> Landing. It's a message like this. That brought a Samson back to full strength. I was pondering Samson because there he was in the dungeon. He had mighty works, he did mighty things, but he landed in a dungeon with his eyes burned out. And I was thinking about he needed to be renewed in his mind. 
He was plodding around that little mill as he ground out the grain. And he was, all I'm sure, just the, the Philistines wanted to beat him down. Forget who he was. Forget what victories he had. Forget what he had done to the enemy. And he's just plodding out. Bald, blind, grinding, day in, day out. Memory is faded. And Satan thought he had him locked. I'm bound. Denomination, bound. Culture, bound. Maybe bound by some worldly pleasure, bound. Prison, bound. But at some point, at some point, something started to happen. Because you can't stop what's inside. Because he's a transform. He was a son of God. And so there he was inside this prison. And Samson started to remember a little bit. He must have started to rehearse a little bit. Well, it maybe the fog would, would, would fade away. And maybe as he'd, he'd, he'd wipe the sweat from his brow, then he'd, he'd feel, oh, there's a little, little spiky little hair. Oh, my hair. Oh, my. He started to remember. Remember when I broke those bonds? They tied me up. Remember when I had the jawbone and he just continued. Maybe as his hair grew just a little bit more, he'd remember a little bit more. This was Samson coming back. But at one time, at some point, it came back to a point where it started to be more flowing locks. And it started to bring back more memory back to where he was. And he started to remember who he really was. Wait a second. God gave me this strength. He said if I didn't cut my hair, I had those Nazarite locks. He started to remember these things. And sometime, at some point, the, the, the memory or the realization came back and said, Hey, what if? <laughs> if these are back, maybe that's coming back. He started to recognize by the renewing of his mind who he was. And so the thoughts started coming back. And then it came to a point. They brought him into the, 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 the sporting hall with all the Philistines were there. And at this point, I'm sure, before he even got there, he had already had a long time. He had already been feeling that. He said, all right, Lord, just give me another chance. I know who I am now. You raised me up for a purpose. And down through the ages, down through the ages of time, Satan has tried to put the, the church of God into different imprisonments and different time. But a word in this hour came so that you and I could reach back and feel the seven locks, the seven seals of this word. Oh, my goodness, saints. That's who we are in this day. We're a Samson recognizing who we are and the strength we have. And he came up to them pillars. You say, well, but Samson was blinded. I was thinking about that today. Thought, you know, yeah, he was naturally blinded. But we don't live by sight. I don't really care about natural sight in this world. I walk by faith. I don't walk by the eyes of this world. I don't look at the circumstances of this world. EBA, if you're listening to me, we don't look by what our eyes tell us. So Samson's natural eyes didn't matter, really. It was the faith eyes that mattered. That he could remember and realize and believe that God would meet him again. Oh, my. 
And there I can imagine there at that moment, he put them hands to the walls as they made fun. I love Brother Branham as he he preaches just once more, Lord. But Samson had a renewed mind of who he was. And he just had to reach back. Take a hold of the message of this hour. Reach into the, the storehouse and pull what you need. Place your hands of faith on whatever obstacle devil's got before you and say, Lord, I know who I am. You have brought me to this time as a bride of this seventh age. Oh God, once more. Once more tonight. Oh, Lord. Musicians, why don't you come? Once more tonight. Recognize who we are in this last day. We have been transformed by the renewing. Imagine if you didn't have a message to point to this gospel and to make it clear to this bride. We'd just be conforming like every other person is. We'd be conformers. But you're a Samson tonight. And down through all the ages of time, believers have defeated many, many demons. Believers and saints of old have combated and they've waged war. Oh my goodness, they have done. uh, how, How could you even put to number what the forces of God's kingdom has put at bay? But Samson... Scripture says, at that moment, he killed more than any other time in his life. Saints of God, you will kill, kill more. Why? Because it's this day that we will defeat death. Death himself will be defeated with this army. Amen. You'll defeat more, greater. Hallelujah. Oh my, I wanted to get in Lot and Abraham, but I called the musicians, so it is what it is. Lot, conformer of conformers, set himself, split off from Abraham, and there planted his tent facing Sodom. Imagine that, that's what scripture says. He planted his tent, pitched his tent towards Sodom. And little by little, this is what you need to be watchful of, saints. Little by little, Lot found himself looking at Sodom and seeing, oh my, he stood there and probably like, can you imagine what goes on in that city? And he's just pitched, you know, hey, well, but the grass is nice. I mean, the, the fields are great, our cattle is fed, but well, I mean, look what's going on in that city. Wretched city at Sodom. How come we're even here? Well, the fields are nice and the pleasures here are good and, you know, we have an easy time. But little by little, Lot found himself, I don't know how it happened, but he got somewhere between pitching his tent looking, and he must have had multiple upgrades as his fields obviously did him well, because a little bit after a little time, a few chapters, you'll find that that Lot was in Sodom. Lot found himself a few chapters later, not just, he was now sitting at the gate, and the, the, the angels came, and he said, I'm going to take you to my house, and you know, we can wash and tarry, wash your feet, and then he was pressed because the different ones came to their door, and come past the house around. He wasn't in a tent, he was in a house, and they were in the city, conforming little by little, because his face was set 
to Sodom. We're not, we're not Lot's group, saints. But he didn't realize the effect it was having on him. You don't realize the effect if you do not have the blockade of the word around you. I know it's, we're, we're in Sodom, saints. We are in Sodom, but we reject Sodom. Abraham had nothing to do with Sodom. He was separated from Sodom. Amen? He, didn't, he did not consume. It, it did not consume Abraham. It didn't impact his home. He did not subject his children to Sodom's thinking. He kept himself away from Sodom. Amen? And Abraham, away from the world's ways, kept himself away from that because one day, eternity stepped into earth and came to meet Abraham because Abraham was separated from all the world, not conforming himself, but God said, I have my servant Abraham there. He's kept himself with his word. He's been renewing himself. He's been pondering. He's been thinking about my words that I've spoke to him, and he's kept himself secluded and separate, and his mind, so then he was prepared so that Elohim could come down from, from eternity and meet Abraham. Elohim didn't come and meet Lot. And we've been met with eternity. Abraham's group in this day. Because we're a separated people. A prepared people. A transformed people. So that a message of this hour can meet you and I. And transform us. Because that's what happened. After Elohim met Abraham. What happened after he left? There started to be a change in me. Since Jesus set me free. Amen. If you read the chapters later, Abraham and Sarah started to have a change when Elohim came and met him. Why don't we stand? I've tried to get to a couple, pair, couple pages since last service. I put it into this service and I still can't get there. So guess what happens? He gets put into a deep box and it doesn't surface again <laughs> unless something really says you're speaking that tonight. Amen. Because I wanted to get to where earth, this earth, is transformed. Because inside, we're transformed. Our soul, Holy Spirit filling and fire burning transforms us. But at some point, this also must come subject to eternity. Because this earth is part of this earth. And it gets a transformation. Not an annihilation. A transformation. Oh my, I wanted to get there. I wanted to get to our future home. I wanted to get to where the city that's 1,500 miles square was coming. Why? Because eternity and eternity come together in a transformation that this world has never seen. Oh my. But we're not going there. Amen. I want to sing a song. I want to sing. Thank you, Brother Roy. I was toying between two songs, but I want to sing the absolute. I love that song. We haven't sung in a while. We come back to the word because that's what transforms us. That's what brings our children to an experience with God. That when they go through their teen years, something's changed in them. Why? Because there's an absolute that can hold them. Amen, Brother Anthony. Throw them words up on the screen. Whatever happened till death do us part Does the whole reflect the heart? Parents' faces tell the reminder 
children search But can't seem to find It's time to take a closer
am thinking of a rapture in our blessed home on high. There we go. I am thinking of a rapture. hall that'll take probably a legion of angels to pull them back and say enter in you've got a feast tonight actually there is no night you've got a feast all day long wait a second there is no just day you've got a feast for eternity <laughs> amen that's why we're here tonight laboring saying transform us lord so that we can be there on that day amen let's pray heavenly father Lord, your word is so life to us, Lord. Lord, it infuses us, oh God. We labor through this earth, Lord, this dark, weary day and age that we live in. But Lord, you've given us the power of transformation to bring us, Lord, to a place that, Lord, inside of us, there's, a, there's one that stands before darkness and there's nothing that can prevail against your people. For, Lord, your scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So, Lord, I pray you go with your people this week. May they, Lord, be like Samson's. May they place their hands of faith on the pillars, Lord, of their trials. Lord, and slay the enemy, I pray. 
Oh God, we commit them to your hands. If someone here, Lord, has been living a life of conformity, been living a life, Lord, of do's and don'ts, may, Lord, something spark their heart and even the least of desires. Lord, they would recognize that it's you calling them a predestinated seed. So, Lord, we commit this little weekday service to you. And Lord, you would go and may your people be victorious until we meet again on Sunday. Lord, where we'll have communion. Lord, we'll fellowship around your table. Lord, a wonderful time as we remember what you did for us. Lord, you were broken. You bled for us. You died for us. Oh, God, we will not forget as the songwriter penned down, lest we forget, Lord, Gethsemane. Lord, so as we prepare and keep ourselves, Lord, just in an atmosphere that we could come expecting a wonderful time. Lord, where the blood of your, of your body, Lord, poured out for our healing, Lord. Maybe there's one here. Lord, maybe it's their moment on Sunday. Lord, when that revelation strikes their soul, that, Lord, arthritis can be healed in a moment, oh God. Lord, we believe for it. We commit them to you. Dismiss us with your presence in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. God be with you. Have a wonderful week. We love you. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful time this week. We'll see you on Sunday, Lord willing. God bless you now. Thank you.